Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas, and you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? And you're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN on Uptown Radio Philly, 98.5 WJYN, and on UptownRadioPhilly.org. And if you're only hearing the sound of my voice, that means I'm the only person that's going to be here today. However... Just because I'm here by myself in the studio does not mean I'm going to be alone today on this momentous occasion, this amazing show that we're going to have today. Because, ladies and gentlemen, within, I believe it's 6 o'clock now, so within 50 hours from now, we are going to start the NFL season. And obviously, what better way to start the NFL season than with a potential Super Bowl preview between... The Super Bowl, the Super Bowl champions raising their banner, the first banner that they've raised. Well, the first one they raised in L.A. Um, I believe since the '70s, but the first one they raised in general since 1999, the Los Angeles Rams. Oops, nah. Um, the L.A. Rams will be hosting the Buffalo Bills, and if you want to call to join the discussion. That number is 215-763-9596. And, man, we have a pretty good show for you today. We have... Hold on a bit. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. And we're back. Oh, snap. All right. And we have our first caller today. My guy, Nick Faber from Honolulu's Podcast. Hello? Running back sports show, Sports for the Culture. Hello? Hey, this is Nick. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good. Good, good. Hey, can you hear me well? Yeah. All right, man. Hey, how you been, man? Oh, living the dream. Living the dream. How are you? I'm good, man. We're about 50 hours away from... You know, the regular season starting, man. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, uh, before we get started, uh, you know, talking about the NFL regular season, uh, tell tell the audience here in Philadelphia a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. My name's Nick Faber. I run a show, or I co-host a show called the Honolulu Blues. We've been doing it for about three years, all about the Detroit Lions. Got to go down to the Senior Bowl, you know, for the last four years. So heavily invested in football, always have been, always has been, have been. Fantasy football champion as well. Just going to throw that out there. So does that mean you already had your draft? <laughs> oh, man, I've, I've had a plethora of them, and I have a few more to go. But I, my last two are tonight, actually, at 7 o'clock, and then tonight again at 9 o'clock. And those are the last two drafts. Uh, good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I just had, I just got done two, and I have another one coming up either today or tomorrow. Oh, can you drop a sleeper on the air? Who we got? Who's, sleep, who's your sleeper of the year? Uh, listen, everyone's going to be – honestly, I don't think he's that much of a sleeper anymore, but uh, Damon Pierce from the uh, Houston Texans. Got him as my running back five in the league I just did. <laughs> I love it. So I'm very happy you said that. 
Yeah. I'm a big fan of Romeo Dubs this year. Dobbs, Dobbs, Deeps, however you want to say his last name. I think he's going to break out for the Packers. Yeah, I just can't pin um, a running back for the Packers this year. It's just not running back, a wide receiver. It's just hard for me. I was I, Well, even for running back, in my opinion, I don't know. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split over there. Uh, I don't know what running back is going to be the most successful one. And wide receiver, I'm I'm throwing all of it, all my eggs on Romeo. I like that kid. I like him coming out, and I like him right now. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, a sleeper from mine is uh, Rashard Penny from uh, Seattle. I know everybody's on the Kenneth Walker train, but that, hern- that hernia injury got me a little concerned. And now with Russ going, they're definitely going to be running the ball like 30 to 40 times a game. Picking my team, so I am very happy. I went zero running back, uh, drafted a bunch of receivers, and then ended up getting Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Rashad Penny, and Kareem Hunt, my top three running backs. Ooh. Uh, hey, 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 Rashad Penny's about to be a star, so watch out. He's gonna he's just a late round star. Oh no, I was talking about that. I was talking about the Kareem Hunt pick. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't overdraft him. No gosh, no, he was my running back three, like eighth or ninth round. God, I can talk fantasy all day. Yeah. But uh, also another sleeper, well, it's not really that much of a sleeper, but uh, a good guy that you want to get in the mid-rounds. Still a top receiver once he gets back from suspension, DeAndre Hopkins. I had to make sure I got him in both my leagues. I love that. I haven't been able to get him in any. I have no shares of him, but I want a share of him. I, I just it, it always seems a little rich for me, but you're 100% right. Like, once he comes back, oof, that's a steal right there. Yeah, one of the other, yeah, my, uh, my first league that I'm running, I got Kyler Murray also. So once Kyler Murray and – D-Hop, they come back. We all know the magic that Kyler Murray and D-Hop do together. So. Oh, man. I, all Bills fans remember it, too. <laughs> Wasn't it Bills? I think yeah, it was the Bills. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. But, but yeah, man, tell me. Um, so, how, well, before we get started for the Eagles-Lions uh, preview, um, what are some takeaways that you got from your team watching them in the preseason? Well, you know, a few quick notes is that the offense looks primed. I'm very excited for it. The defense looks very shaky, and I'm very nervous for it. Um, and the third takeaway is just Jared Goff. For me, like that was a lot of, lot of the – we only saw him on one drive, and he looked so good on that drive. I cannot stop thinking about it. We saw him the first drive of the first preseason game. I haven't seen him since, and he looked so hot. During that first preseason drive, um, I can't stop thinking about that's the That's the biggest takeaway is, like, Jared Goff looks comfortable. And he can be pretty deadly when he's comfortable. We know what he looks like when he's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. But now with a good offensive line, we did just lose in, uh, our right guard to injury. Um, but I, we still have our, our core four. And Jared Goff is, is the main thing pounding through my head right now. And it has been for the whole month of August. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about your team this year is I'm very intrigued by your offense. I'm not really that much intrigued about Jared Goff pretty much because what you see is what you get. But I'm really loving the depth of the weapons that you have. Obviously, we know about Deontay Swift. Obviously, we know about TJ Hawkinson when he gets a good volume on the targets. But this wide receiver core, in about a year or so, this is going to be a really probably one of the better wide receiver cores in the in, in entire football. You know, Jameson Williams, once he gets back from injury, Amaran St. Brown's really good as well. So, in a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in terms of your wide receiver core? It's funny. It's it's kind of a little question. Like, in confidence, in reality, as just an NFL fan, as a Detroit Lions fan, like, you know, 6, 7, Jameson Williams coming off of injury, hopefully everything is just great when he comes back, and we, we hope that. 
but we've had a lot of wide receiver miscues in the first round drafting in the first round before. So, yeah, I'm still nervous about that. DJ Shark looks great for preseason, but has been injured every year but one in his career. So I'm a little nervous about that. But if you ask a Lions fan that, as opposed to what we set out on the field last year with, like, Rashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, Tom Kennedy, Cliff Raymond, Josh Reynolds, like, it's 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 11. <laughs> it, it goes to 11. Like, I, I, I can't be more excited and more proud and more uh, happy for our wide receivers and have the utmost confidence in them as opposed to last year. But if you're going to ask me, like, you know what I mean? A Bucks fan, how they feel about the Lions. You know, it's it's like I got to sometimes put it back into like a realistic mode. I can't drink the Kool-Aid that much. We have a good, good, good wide receiving core that has a lot of potential. And we saw it with Amon with St. Brown, but we still need to see it with Shark on the field in the regular season with Jameson Williams when he gets back from injury. There's a lot of potential, but I'm not going to talk too highly about him right now just yet. Yeah. So, um, if you had Dan Campbell going into a second year, and you know, for us, Nick Sirianni going into a second year, what are some things that you're looking for in terms of this coaching staff that you want to see improve in year two, as opposed to you know their first season? Coaching staffs are like the un—I don't know. They it just seems like no one really likes to talk about them until they're doing bad. Coaching is so is so you know, imminent for NFL. You have to be a good coach. And we saw with Nick Sirianni last year, like he's a good coach and he adjusted his team to adapt to how they should win. Pass heavy didn't work. Let's start running the ball against Detroit. I believe Boston Scott and George Howard had combined three or four touchdowns against us. Like mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, okay, let's just run the ball. And we'll win games. Uh, Dan Campbell also made adjustments. We got rid of Anthony Lynn. We realized that this pass heavy attack wasn't going to be the way we were going to win. We are going to, solely run by our running backs we're going to run it on third and ten we don't care we're going to run it on fourth and four we don't care we're just going to run 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 and try to control the clock we saw the adjustments in the second half of the season after philadelphia beat detroit the lions went three five and one to finish out their year not incredible but a big boost after our zero and eight start um, you're welcome i guess <laughs> yeah thank you for really putting us like you really just like put us at rock bottom we were like okay okay <laughs> Uh, 44 to 6, and uh, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard are ripping us apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time we adjust some things. And we did, and we did, and we did. So, what I'm looking forward for, what I'm looking for in regards to our coaching staff this year is I want to see the same. And that means I want to see the most fourth down attempts. I want to see these gutsy calls. I want to see us trust DeAndre Swift on third and 12 and do a draw play. Knowing that on fourth down, we're going for it no matter what. I like the way that Dan Campbell moved our offense in the back half of the season. We have Ben Johnson running as offensive coordinator now with Deuce Daly obviously helping out. Our coaching staff is so primed to be an excellent staff. We see it on hard knocks week in and week out. Everyone's falling in love with this coaching staff. I want to see the same that they have been doing, but I need to see wins, right? So, like, I don't want to see the same coaches, the same mistakes, anything like that. I want to see us be relentless, ruthless, but get victories out of it, which is obviously easier said than done, but that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like you're pretty confident because I'm looking at uh, your final projections, and you got them at uh, nine wins this year. I sure do, and in the playoffs, seven seed. Ooh, seven seed. 
I believe I got Philly as the – well, no, I don't remember. I think they were the four, sixth seed, maybe the five seed. Uh, no, uh, you have us winning in the division. We're both – Hey, let's go Eagles. <laughs> All right, I'm glad I made that. I'm glad I made that pick because I, I was afraid I would have to defend the Cowboys real quick, which I will not be able to do. All right, yeah. <laughs> Eagles should definitely win their division for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. So, looking at this, it's – so you guys are the seventh seed and probably will be facing either the Bucks or the Rams in the first round. Oh yeah, because I messed up on my Bucks. They're supposed to be thirteen and four. I don't know why it came out twelve and four. The Bucks are supposed to be thirteen and four. First seed, we'd be taking on the Rams. It would be Matt Stafford versus the Lions in Los Angeles first week of the playoffs. And how fun would that playoff game be, in my opinion? Oh my gosh, oh. that would be one for the ages. Jared Goff versus the Rams back at home. Tell me that wouldn't get some clicks from the TV audience. Oh, it it would, and it will probably never be talked about again on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of course that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I I like the Lions this year. I just think we have a cupcake schedule. Honestly, our our like our five hardest games outside of any division games are like the Eagles, the mm-hmm. Bills, and then the Patriots, the Dolphins. Like, you know what I mean? What what are these? These teams aren't that good. We have a cupcake schedule. I don't think the Lions – I think the Lions will finish better or with a better record than their roster should allow for. Yeah. But you have to be able to – there's going to be a lot of, like, one-possession games, and it's all going to be down to, again, coaching Dan Campbell. He has to win those one-possession games, like games within six points of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you guys lost a lot of those uh, last year. The, the one that definitely really comes to mind was – the you had a chance to beat Baltimore, then Lamar Jackson, you know, was able to just to get Justin Tucker in sixty yard field goal range and you guys lost on a sixty six yarder, I believe. That is correct. I blame the refs for this one. Um there was like a three like so play clock at zero, two point five seconds passed by after the play clock at zero, then Lamar Jackson calls that play that gets them into field goal range. Mm-hmm. It's like there's got to be something done where when that play clock hits, there's no, I, I can't sit here and watch another NFL game and the refs be like, well, I looked at the play clock and it turned zero. And by the time that I turned my head from that play clock to the center, they snapped it. What was I supposed to do? What are we talking about? We are literally, we are literally in the technology age. Put a flipping wrist buzzer on. And as soon as that clock hits zero, you don't even need to be looking at that clock. As soon as your wrist buzzes, Okay, if that ball's not snapped, that's a delay of game immediately. It is egregious. It is outrageous. It is embarrassing. It is. I don't. I hate to blame the refs because obviously, yeah, we lost. Justin Tucker hit a great, great kick, 66 yarder. I mean, that's that's one that's gonna be in NFL films for the next hundred years. But again, like, let's just let's get this right. Like, that was the most blatant, terrible call by an NFL referee that I've ever seen. Like, it literally sat there for a second another second a half of another second and then lamar jackson gets that like it's it's ridiculous sorry to go on a rant but like right can we agree the nfl should be able to do something to where the refs don't have to look at the play clock and then look at the center snapping the ball isn't there a lot of different choices out there yeah not as fair but also this isn't the first time you guys have been victim of justin tucker on a game-winning field goal oh no 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 he he loves us yeah he prays on us yeah 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 (laughs) There's a lot of guys in the league that prey on the Lions, Aaron Rodgers being one for sure, which also has a lot of referee help, but it is what it is. Different conversation, different day. Yeah. Yeah, man. So week one in Detroit, 
Uh, so what are your predictions? Obviously, I'm going to go Philadelphia, but. Yeah, uh, 44 to 6 last year. And like I said, it was the turning point for us. Um, it really did put us in the rock bottom, the, the cellar. And I, mean, I think it really motivated us to, to turn, on, turn it up. And we did. Uh, this year, we have six new starters on offense as opposed to when we played Philly last year. We also have six new starters on defense as opposed to when we played Philly last year. Our starting wide receivers last year, I believe, were Tom Kennedy and Khalif Raymond playing Darius Slay and uh, James Bradbury. Is that the second quarterback? Uh, no, we got we just got Bradbury this year. I believe last year it was Steven Nelson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew. Bra- okay, so he's there now. That's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> that's going to be really fun with our receivers going up against, like, Shark and Slay and, and, and then Amani O with uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on Jeff Okuda, who's obviously a, this year is, like, his make or break a year. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. a great way, great great competition for both of them to start out. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State is very fun in my opinion. Um, I'm digressing. I think the final score is 27-20 Detroit. I think this is a revenge game for Ooh. Dan Campbell. Personally, I think Dan Campbell's personally, like, disgusted about the way that the last year's Philadelphia game went and was immediately circling this game. Not because it was week one, but because, again, it was Philadelphia and they put the biggest onslaught that Dan Campbell has ever been a part of. Um, I believe playing or, or coaching, I don't think he's ever lost by that big of a margin before. Uh, if I can remember my Reddit stats from last year. Anyways, uh, I, I I truly believe that Dan Campbell and the team get super energized. Um, Ford Field gets rocking week one. Uh, close game, 2020, fourth quarter. And I think Detroit pulls it away. Biasedly. <laughs> Am I betting on it? Maybe not. But that's what I'm going to say on air. So well, when it happens, the, I can. Depends on the money run. line, right? Depends on the money. Yeah, 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 exactly. Depends <laughs> on what, we're, what they're giving us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But for me, obviously, this is going to be biased because you know where I'm from. But 27-13 Eagles. I, I love what I love the overhaul that we did on defense. We were second to last in terms of getting to the quarterback. We revamped our front seven. This is probably the best linebacker group that Howie Roseman's probably ever assembled during his, uh, his entire tenure. I love our secondary. And listen, all due respect, I don't – I love our offensive line against your non-existent pass rush. So, I feel like uh, – I was going to say, be careful with Aiden Hutchinson out there. Be careful. Yeah, you Get know, but we, we, we also have, you know, the best right tackle in all the football also at Lane Johnson. So Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's yeah. going to be a game and – uh, I feel like Hertz is going to have a little bit more time than usual. I feel like this is going to be a Dallas Goddard game. You know, he's going to have probably score the first touchdown. Then we're just going to do what we do in the fourth quarter, just run the ball down your throats. I like a lot of what you said. To be honest, I'm going to highlight the Dallas Goddard game. Um, I think it's going to be, like I said, I think it's going to be really fun with our wide receivers quarterbacks matched up against each other. Um, I honestly think it's going to be kind of an even battle between those where I think you guys definitely have an advantage a million percent is our linebacking crew trying to cover Dallas Goddard. It's going to be embarrassing. Uh, in my opinion, I hate our linebackers. Like I'm so happy. Don't you guys draft Nicobe Dean or am I crazy? Yeah, we drafted Nicobe Dean in the third yeah. round. So I love that. Obviously as a Detroit fan, I was pushing and pushing and pushing for the Lions to get Nicobe Dean. Uh, I haven't been paying attention to him in preseason. Has, how has he looked? Is he starting? Is he looking good at least? Where is um, he at? He's looked good, but um, they, 
TJ Edwards has also looked solid as well. We also got Kazir White from uh, the Chargers as well. And just from what I gauged in terms of Chargers fans' reactions in terms of him coming to Philly, he's going to be missed a lot. And not to mention we got Hassan Reddick as well. So Hassan Reddick's going to be that little hybrid role of he's going to be playing some outside linebacker and also probably on third down. He's probably going to be on that defensive line front getting after the quarterback as well. I love our deep. I loved our front seven right now because, and especially the addition of Jordan Davis. Right. So and we can, yeah, we yeah. can legitimately run a 50-50 split in terms of our defensive line. So you're probably going to see one set with Fletcher Cox and right. uh, Jordan Davis as the interior lineman. Then we can switch out and do Javon Hargrave, who was a pro bowler last year, and Milton Williams. And then on the outside, we got Brandon Graham back, probably our best run stop and edge rusher. We got him, Josh Sweats. Uh, Reddick can also, you know, be on the edge as well. So th- we got a lot of versatility in terms of that defensive front that we really and didn't here's have Here's what I'll year. say. Like, so big, the big, first and foremost, like the big thing, everyone that watches football loves to watch the football yeah. and the quarterback and the receiver and the running back. Try not to do that for any listeners out there. Focus directly on Jordan Davis and Frank Ragnow. Yeah. That's going to be one of the best, Ooh, yes. if not the best matchup on the entire field throughout the game. It's going to be so fun between yeah. them. The thing about what you were saying about your front seven is I love it because our offensive line is our best feature. Mm-hmm. And I think our offensive line is a top three offensive line in the entire NFL. PFF mm-hmm. did happen to agree earlier in the year. And the Lions sending out pro bowler Frank Ragnow, pro bowler Jonah Jackson, soon to be the best tackle in the game, Panay Sewell, along with top five tight to tackle Taylor Decker. Big B got injured. That's no big problem at all. Our offensive line is so stacked and so ready for whatever Philly brings. It's literally going to be a bloodbath in between those lines, and it is going to be so fun to watch. I'm not going to sit here and try to be like, mine's better than yours or whatever. <laughs> I am just trying to tell every listener out there to not watch the football when Jalen Hurts has it, when Jared Goff has it. Watch the offensive line versus defensive line play, So how the linebackers fill the gap, how running backs pass block against blitzing linebackers or safeties or corners or, or breaking through linemen. It is so fun to watch the interior part of the of the game of the NFL, and I think this game specifically, especially when Philly's on defense and Detroit's on offense, to watch the the, the front seven for Philly and the front five for Detroit will be an amazing, amazing art artistic watch. Honestly, 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 it's, but no one's really gonna watch because Jalen Hurts. Anytime he's running around, it's really fun. Jared Goff is so many like moving weapons in the Lions offense. I'm just saying, like, that Frank Ragnow against Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick against Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker going against Brandon Gray. Like, these boys, that's that's what you watch football for. That is what's going to be the most fun about this game, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, like, my time during the Senior Bowl, it's like I've – the more I go down and watch the Senior Bowl and I watch, like, you know, certain things, like watch the defensive line battles, that's how I now watch games. Like, the game last night in terms of watching Clemson – and Georgia Tech, like, uh, Jeff Sims caught my eye, but the one thing that always just popped into my screen when it comes to watching Clemson's defense was definitely Brian Breesy last night. That guy was a monster uh, in terms of just tearing up that interior, uh, Georgia Georgia Tech's in- interior line and just getting to the backfield all game long. That's what – that's I'm so glad. And that's what – you know, the more we talk about the interior battles just on everyday shows, on everyday conversations – the more people will start to watch that and, and, and not watch just the football. 
Like there is an amazing book out there called, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? I own it and I can't remember the name of it. It's like How to Watch Football, I think is really what it's called. It's mm-hmm. something like that. Honestly, I can't remember. I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I read it when I was younger and it literally just taught me how to watch football. Don't just watch the ball and the quarterback. Watch all these positional battles, isolate players. Like when I went to the Lions preseason game, isolate Aiden Hutchinson and watch what he does. You know what I mean? It's it's so fun. So I'm glad you're right there on the same page. And, again, Jordan Davis versus Frank Rag. Now, everyone listening, watch that battle on Sunday. It'll be way more fun than watching Jared Goff back up and throw it away out of bounds. Yeah. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, little Nick, I appreciate – listen, man, I, pre- I appreciate the call, man, and I appreciate the discourse, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. I appreciate you guys having me on. It is always so fun to be on the show. I flip and love it, and you know I'm always ready here. If the Lions win, you got to have me back on next week for a quick second just to say woo woo. But if we lose, don't listen, worry about listen, it. I'll I'll, listen, I'm a man of my word. I value my, I, I honor my bets. If that happens, by all means, you'll have you'll have your 30, 30 to ninety seconds to gloat. If not, uh, I'll that probably see you at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a plan to me, brother. I appreciate it again. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. And tell once again where the listeners they can find you, you know, in case we got any uh, Lions fans here in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. On Spotify, on Apple, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, called the Honolulu Blues, because everybody's got the blues if you're a Lions fan. And if you're a Lions fan, you probably got the Honolulu Blues. So uh, come listen to us. We love our team, but we're realistic. We're real. We're only going to win this game by seven points. You know what I mean? We're realistic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Dick. I appreciate the call. Yep. Have a good one, guys. You too, man. Oh man, it's always it's always good to have Nick on the show. And once again, you're listening to ninety eight point five WJYN, the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is two one five seven six three nine five. Nine six. It is just me today, so if you want to keep me company, the phone lines are officially open. We're gonna. It is an entire NFL-based show today. A little bit of college football also, and football is back, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited. I cannot wait for Thursday. Rams and Bills. What a way to open up the season. Stephon Diggs versus Jalen Ramsey. Oh man. Listen, the Bills better than Bills better not let me down because they are my Super Bowl pick this year. So I I love Josh Allen. I love the continuity with him and Stephon Diggs. I think Gabriel Davis is ready to take that next step. Dawson Knox is a sleeper, and I think they have enough. They don't have that bell count running back like you would want, like in a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor, but they do have enough running backs in their room to to showcase and give you a competent running game if they're up by at least a score to to ice the game. Not to mention, you forgot Josh Allen is an extension of the running game as well. So I'm 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 100% excited for that game. We also have Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative, my boy, uh, who I met down at the Senior Bowl a few years ago. It's always good to get having him on. And yeah, it's going to be a great show today, even if it's just me. So, with that being said, it is almost 6.30. Man, wow. Me and Nick have been talking for a while. So, I've wanted to do like a weekly countdown. Obviously, a lot of things have changed. 
to the point where I just wasn't able just to get around this, obviously, because with sports, uh, it's not just one thing that it's not just one thing that just happens. It's always just a roundabout thing in terms of s- multiple things that are continuously to happen on a week to week basis that I haven't really gotten around to doing. But the one thing that I want to do now is that I wrote down a list of all 32 teams. And 32 teams in the NFL, and I have personally ranked them from the worst team in the worst team as I'm going to protect them as the either the worst team in the NFL all the way down to number one, who I believe is going to be the best team in the NFL this season. And that being said, if anyone disagrees, feel free to call in. I I have no problem. Uh, defending my opinion on air in regards to how you feel about my rankings. In the end, it's just sports. And the one thing about sports is is that, one, it's all opinionated based. And two, if you have an opinion, if certain facts and certain informations and new developments come up, it's okay to change your opinion. It's okay to admit that you're wrong. The one thing I just hate is that fact that people will go ahead they will say an opinion, and when they're wrong, they would never touch that opinion ever again. However, listen, I'm a man of my word. I told Nick that, God forbid, if we do lose to Detroit next week in the season opener, Philadelphia loses to Detroit in the season opener, I have no problem giving them that 90 seconds to gloat on air on my show. Listen, it happens. That being said, I got time. Uh, before, you know, 7 o'clock, before my boy Jeff calls in, or if anybody else wants to call in. So, I'm going to do my rankings. You've heard some of these before, and I feel like number 32, start the 2002-2003 season. This one hurts because of, if anyone knows me, I'm an Ohio State fan, and I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I have the Chicago Bears ranked as the number 30, as the worst team in the NFL this season. I, that offensive line, you've pretty much lost all of your star power and playmakers on defense. So all you have left really is Eddie Jackson and a bunch of young guys. And as good talented as Justin Fields is, there's really nothing really to work around. I mean, you probably have the worst wide receiver room and all of football. If you can somehow, you can fortify the offensive line to – a decent amount, and you you can get Justin Fields times. Maybe he can do something. But there's really nothing to write home about on this entire team except for Justin Fields, a healthy David Montgomery, and Darnell Mooney. That's really it. So that being said, that's why I have them as the worst team in all of football. Number 31, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. I like what Houston's doing. I love the addition of Levy Smith, but there's the lack of talent is just glaring. You don't have really that much to work with. I will say this, though. If Derek Stingley Jr. stays healthy, him and Jalen Petrie are going to anchor a really good secondary for for several years to come. I'm not a fan of Davis Mills, and Damian Pierce is now the worst-kept secret in all the fantasy football. Just some free fantasy football advice for you. But 
I don't see Houston doing <laughs> much of anything this year, especially in a really bad AFC, AFC South. Number 30, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like the addition of Doug Peterson. I feel like this is a move that in which two years down the line, you're going to see the results. Um, Trevor Lawrence, really good running back. You got Travis Etienne coming back, which is huge for Trevor Lawrence to have his running mate back in Clemson, his little check down buddy. But that wide receiver room is pretty average. And the offensive line still hasn't improved. And you still really don't have that much talent on the secondary to which is a massive far cry from what you had in 2017. This is a two-year move in which in two years, Jacksonville will be fine as long as they keep uh, Doug Peterson in there. Number 21, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Average offensive line, no pass rush. Just lack of talent everywhere. Um, The only redeeming qualities that you have is you still have probably one of the better one-two wide receiver punches in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but outside of that, you don't even have a really good quarterback to throw it to. Drew Locke is not good. I know he's 25, but goodness gracious, at some point you got to just pull the plug and realize, like, hey, this is just another John Elway mistake like Paxton Lynch or Brock Osweiler. Um. I do think that now with Russell going, they're going to run the ball 30 or 40 times a game with Rashard Penny and Kenneth Walker winning games healthy. But I don't see – but Seattle, in my opinion, is going to be picking top five this year. They're going to be in the Bryce Young, C.J. Strauss sweepstakes. 28, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, do me a favor. If you have the opportunity to completely sit – Desmond Ritter for the entire year because you are that much in love with Marcus Mariota, please do it. Do not send this kid out. Kid out there. They do not have the offensive line to protect him. There is really, and outside of Kyle Pitts and a rookie Drake London, there's really nothing for him to operate in terms of throwing the football to. Let him redshirt this year. Let Marcus Mariota take the beating. And then afterwards, you can improve your offensive line, improve your defensive line next year. And then you can figure out what you have in Desmond Ritter the following year. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta is tanking on purpose. <laughs> oh, man. Well, when, uh, never mind, I'm not going to go there. 27, I'm going to go with the Commanders. I'm sorry. Um, you had, Two years ago, you had one of the most f- four guys who are first-round picks on your defensive line. And they caused havoc. They wreaked havoc. Um, and then the following year, they didn't live up to the hype. Chase Young got hurt. And you made it to the playoffs two years ago in a 7-9 record. They couldn't stay healthy again the following year. And I don't have any confidence for them to stay healthy again. I will say this, though. This is Carson Wentz's last chance. Do I have an issue with Carson Wentz? No, I don't. I never really had an issue with Carson Wentz. To me, at that point, it just became a powder keg in which, at that point, it's like either we keep Howie or we fire Howie and we do whatever we can to accommodate Carson Wentz. Looks like the former was a lot better to endure than the latter. (laughs) And Howie has 100% redeemed himself since then. However, Carson has legitimate things to work with. He has Logan Thomas. He has... 
a now paid Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dodson, who, from what I've been hearing, has probably been the best wide receiver in camp so far. And you still have Antonio Gibson, and I'm so glad Brian Robinson is um, perfectly fine like after that legitimate scare. And I feel like when he gets back, and I feel like next year, Brian Robinson might be running back one. But there's really no – I don't have any confidence in this Washington team at all. None. 26, I'm going to go into New York Giants. They're, they're literally the same team. The Commanders and the Giants are literally the same team. You have a quarterback in which they're on their last leg. Um, granted, be injury, whether consistency issues, and they might be looking somewhere else at, in terms of quarterback next year. Um, shaky offensive line. Good enough weapons to make your quarterback look decent. Not great. But the difference is I feel like the Giants have a lot more to work with defensively. But, however, this is a first-year coach in Brian Dable, and your quarterback is still Daniel Jones. And as far as Saquon Barkley goes, this is his last opportunity to showcase yourself as to why you were the number two overall pick in the 2018 draft. But, you know, these teams are literally the same. Shaky offenses um, and just can't get out of their own way when it comes to injuries in close games. 25, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry, Nick. However, I will say this. I feel like the they probably have, out of all these teams in the 20s, they probably have the highest the highest ceiling. I, like, I love their offensive line. I love their uh, young wide receivers. I just don't love Jared Goff, and I don't love their defense. I just don't. But if their offense and the way that they – if their offensive line stays healthy and Deontay Swift runs the ball the way we all seen Deontay Swift is able to run the football, then this is going to be a team that because of the fact that there are seven teams that can go into the playoffs now, almost half of the conference now, this could be a team that could potentially sneak in one of those wild card spots in a really weak and top-heavy NFC. NFC. 24, we're going to go with the Carolina Panthers. And you're kind of seeing a trend here. Not good offensive lines, quarterbacks who are pretty much still on their last leg in terms of showcasing themselves and potentially being a starter in this league. I do think in terms of out of all the teams that I've said so far, Carolina secondary I like a lot. I still like Derrick Brown, and I feel like Baker Mayfield, a healthy Baker Mayfield with a chip on his shoulder instead of his shoulder hanging off from his socket is going to be a really good quarterback this year. I'm not giving up on Baker Mayfield. I've seen what he's able to do when he's healthy. This is a guy that came in and completely ended their 800-day drought in terms of winning a football game. This is a guy who... At the point before Justin Herbert was able to surpass Peyton Manning's rookie yet rookie yet record in terms of passing touchdowns as a rookie, I've seen him take his team to the playoffs. Despite all the noise of terms of like him and Odell Beckham not getting along, but last year, I'll commend him for playing injured, but you clearly just had no business being out there. 
your shoulders healthy, you're you have a complete change of scenery. You have a really good um, disposal uh, dis- weapons at your disposal. It's time to show out, and I got a feeling. Listen, and you're facing the Cleveland Browns, and if that comment of what you said in terms of privacy to that one reporter, I definitely got you <laughs> throwing three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, twenty-three. The New York Jets. I hope Sam. I hope Zach Wilson stays healthy. The Jets need somebody to root for, somebody to believe in. So I hope for Jets fans' sake, Zach Wilson stays healthy. I love their wide receiver rooms. I love Elijah Moore. I like Garrett Wilson. Uh, Corey Davis is now probably going to be wide receiver three. Uh, Michael, you got Michael Carter. You got Brees Hall. You have a pretty good good um, disposal of weapons. At your disposal, and Robert Sala, you know, him being the defensive-minded uh, coach that he is, you now have some playmakers now on your defense. You got Sauce Gardner. You got Jermaine Johnson. This is going to be a really improved Jets team that the first 10 games are going to be brutal because this is a team that just doesn't know how to win yet. But I feel like once they get a hold of that, you know, those next seven games, that's a team that nobody wants to play – play against, especially if you're competing for a playoff spot. Because they will ruin your January plans if this team gets accommodated in terms of knowing, finally knowing how to win. Number 22, Minnesota Vikings. They are literally the their NFL's purgatory team. They are good enough. They're too good enough to not picking the top 10, but they're not bad. They're good enough to not pick in the top 10, but they're not bad enough. <laughs> I think I got that mixed up. But anyway, they're not going to be picking top 10, but I don't see them as a playoff team. Justin Jefferson's a stud. Uh, Kirk Cousins, really good season last year. But for some strange reason, this team cannot close out games. Now Mike Zimmer gone. You have a brand new coach. Um... Good defensive philosophy. I think they're going to a 3-4. I, to be honest, this is a team that until proven otherwise, and as long as they have Kirk Cousins, I don't have any reason to believe in this team. 21, I got the Colts. Good offensive line. I like Frank Wright. I like Jonathan Taylor, but that's pretty much it. Matt Ryan is 38 years old. They don't have any speed at all on the outside. Michael Pittman's a really good wide receiver, but the all the receivers are possession receivers, so they're literally running a West Coast offense at this point. Uh, defense, not really that good. Well, defense is average. I'll say that. They, out of all the teams in the AFC South, this is probably the only team that's going to get Tennessee any competition at all. But I don't see this team as a playoff team. I feel like they're too old and just doesn't have enough pieces for them to compete for a legitimate playoff spot. 20, the Patriots. That Belichick magic that everybody wants to give Belichick, you know, the benefit of that, I think that's gone. Brady leaving and winning a Super Bowl the first year after he's gone. Meanwhile, you have Belichick, uh, 
just floundering with Cam Newton and now playoff spot, but you got the doors completely blown off you. That Belichick sheen is gone. He does not know how to utilize top picks. They have no playmakers on the outside. They have a decent tight end room. They have a decent running back room, but not great. In, I feel like with Mac Jones, he fell into the ideal situation in which if he went anywhere other than New England or San Fran, that Mac Jones would be a backup quarterback in my honest opinion. But he's with the Patriots. They don't have a play caller. Belichick's apparently going to be calling the plays. Good luck with that. I just don't trust this Patriots team at all. They lack a lot of talent in an AFC East in which everybody else has a young quarterback. And all three of those teams are way more significantly have a lot more talent potentially, especially like one or two years down the line. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets finished third and the Patriots are dead last in their division. I just don't trust the Patriots. And I know that's, I don't, I don't trust a lot of teams. You're getting a comment here. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the run of that sports show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. Uh, let me uh, speed it up a little. 19, I got the Tennessee Titans. The AFC South is the worst division in football. The Titans will win that division by default. I feel bad about Harry Landry getting hurt because I really like that kid. Uh, growing, uh, growing up, he also was a really good fundamental reason in terms of why they were able to get as far as they did last year in terms of being one of the better def- uh, defenses in all of football. Still got Derrick Henry. Uh, Robert Woods is coming off a torn ACL. Trey, uh, Traylon Burks is rookie. Ah, man, Ryan Tannehill is probably as, probably as the Mendoza line when it comes to quarterbacks. (laughs) If your quarterback is better than Ryan Tannehill, then you could potentially do something. If your quarterback is either on par or worse, then you should probably be looking somewhere else. (laughs) But they, in my honest opinion, even though I got the rank 19, I think they'll win the AFC South by default. <laughs> but uh, 18 Saints. I don't know what to make of the Saints this year. Over the past two years, you've lost Drew Brees. You lost Sean Payton. You've lost Teron Arsett to free agency to Miami. And now the, your potential replacement for him and Trevor Penning is now hurt. Michael Thomas is 30, is I believe is 29, coming off a significant uh, lower leg injury that he didn't play all season for. Um, the legal troubles for Alvin Kamara, they're still there, but he is going to be playing the full season. And you got James Winston coming off an ACL injury as well. I don't know what to make of this team. You still have enough locker room leadership in which they can still make a playoff push. I don't for the AFC, for the NFC South, no. But for a wild card spot, absolutely. But I'm not hitching my, I'm not hitching my vote of confidence on that uh, Saints wagon. Seventeen Steelers. This is going to be probably the fourth year in a row that Pittsburgh is 
that Pittsburgh defense led by T.J. Watt is going to carry a really average to below average Pittsburgh offense. I will say this. Pittsburgh's offense will improve because you don't have to protect Ben Roethlisberger anymore who literally could not move. It's like having, and, and I feel so relieved for that offensive line because now you don't have to pass protect for a guy at that point who was a walking refrigerator. Uh, Najee Harris, I feel like he's going to, I think out of all the second-year players, um, I love Elijah Moore, but I think Najee Harris is probably going to have, you know, that breakout sophomore season. Uh, George Pickens, if, if, if what we saw in camp or what we saw in preseason is any indication, he's going to be wide receiver uh, too soon because I still like Deontay Johnson and wide receiver one. Chase Claypool also. So Mitch Trubisky has weapons to work with. And if what we saw last year in terms of the Steelers got a playoff, got a playoff spot with an alien Ben Roethlisberger, then Mr. Trubisky with this offense should be able to do so as well, right? But the AFC has gotten much, much tougher, especially everybody in their division. We've, we'll just have to see. 16, I got the Raiders. I like the Raiders on offense. I do. And now I feel like this is probably the best Josh McDaniels offense that Josh McDaniels is probably going to be coaching a long time. Derek Carr is good. Uh, you got Josh Jacobs. You got Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller. Their offensive line is solid, not solid, not terrible. Their defense still needs a lot of work. But this is an offense that can definitely has the potential to put up 30, 30 to 35 points a game uh, confidently. They're, they're still in the toughest division in all of football. So, I love their offense, but in a loaded AFC, you got to play some defense. So, I'm still concerned about that. 15, Cleveland Browns. I know they're everybody healthy pound for pound. They probably have the talent, not only the talented roster in the AFC, probably the most talented rosters in all the NFL. But you have to factor in that Deshaun Watson suspension. He's going to be gone for 11 games. Jacoby Brissett. Good bus driver isn't a guy that's going to win you games. He's not going to lose them either. So now I feel like them being able to keep Kareem Hunt there, regardless of paying him or not, they're going to need that one-two punch for those first 11 games. Amari Cooper, a lot of people have forgotten how good Amari Cooper is in terms of one of the best route runners in all of football. Him, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Damon Njoku, Jacoby Brissett got some things to work, got, has talent to work with to manufacture that offense until Deshaun Watson gets back. And defensively, they have one of the more talented rosters in all football. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. At some point, you got to put it all together. And that's. And I like Kevin Stefanski, but Kevin Stefanski eventually has to put all of that together. If not, then I feel like it's just going to be. Pretty much back where he was in Minnesota, just being a good, high-value offensive coordinator. 14, Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) 
the Cardinals offense without DeAndre Hopkins is completely night and day. And you saw that in the playoffs last year when they didn't have him at his disposal. But when you see have DeAndre Hopkins on the field with Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is a legitimate MVP candidate. Him, you traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, James Conner, really good running back. Offensive line is steadily improving. This is a really good first half team. To me, if you were to measure, you know, like the first eight, nine games of the season, the Cardinals are a playoff team. They were seven and one. They were undefeated last year before they met in the Green Bay. And then by the second half, the team just collapsed. So I like the talent that they have. Uh, I like Kenyon Green. Uh, Kenyon Green added to the offensive line to boost their offensive line. And they still have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball to, you know, do some things. So I have them as a playoff team. 13, Denver Broncos. The more I really sit back and look at the Broncos roster, the more I'm beginning to be intrigued and the more I begin to like them. Cortland Sutton is one of, one of the, probably one of the most underrated and underappreciated wide receivers in all the football. And I'm so glad he's healthy. Jerry Judy, not so much. A lot of young wide receivers have gone out and proved themselves. And here you are. In terms of being one of the most high drop, had one of them, probably one of the most high drop catch percentages in all of football in terms of young wide receivers. Kind of up there with CD Lamb, but here's the thing CD Lamb has stats to make up for it. You don't. And I, but I will say this, you didn't have the quarterback play to compensate for that. But you have Russell Wilson, you have a decent offensive line, you have a really good running game, and that defense, especially that secondary, uh, Bradley Chubb coming back healthy, you have Justin Simmons, you have Patrick King Jr. This is going to be a tough team. And we've said it ever since Peyton Manning retired, if you get yourself a decent quarterback, the Broncos are a playoff team. You have a top 10 quarterback now and Russell Wilson. Hopefully Russell doesn't uh, burn, burn out in the second half of the season because this is a playoff caliber roster that the Broncos have. 12, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know what they're saying. Not a lot of talent on defense, and you can't replace what Tyreek Hill did. But you know what I can say? I can't say Andy Reid's one of the best play callers in all of football. I can't say that Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in all of football. If not, top three at worst. They have one of the better offensive lines in football, and you still have Travis Kelsey, who's probably the best tight, pound for pound, probably the best tight end in all of football. And you have Juju Smith-Schuster now. You have Sky Moore. You, it's it's going to be a versatile offense in which you lost that big playability in Tariq Hill. That cannot be duplicated no matter how hard you try. McCole Hartman can try, but you just can't replace a Tariq Hill. But you know what we can do? We can take we can go back. We can take it old school. West Coast offense. Chunk plays. Oh hey. Slam slam the Juju Smith Schuster. Five, ten yards. Five, ten yards. Run the football more. We'll Clyde Edwards Lair. This is a team that Still made it to the AFC Championship game. And I understand the significant loss of Tariq Hill. But this is still an offense. This is still an offense. And I still have a lot of faith in Andy Reid to 
to do something with this offense, even with the loss of Tariq Hill. This is still one of the best play callers in the last 20 years, ladies and gentlemen. That Chiefs offense is going to be fire. Number 11, I'm going to go to the Miami Dolphins. I know what everyone's going to say. That is way too high for the Miami Dolphins. They have, as much as I didn't like Brian Flores losing his job, you have an offensive-minded head coach now. You improve your offensive line. You made the big splash to get Tariq Hill. You got Cedric Wilson in your slot. You still got Mike Gusecki. You got Jalen Waddle, who you drafted last year. You don't have to. Here's the thing. You can question Tua's arm strength all you want, but they can literally run mesh concepts all game long, and it will exhaust your defense. Not to mention, you even with Brian Flores gone, all that remains still in terms of the Dolphins' Defense is still a top 10 defense that you still can potentially field. You now have the offense now that can now put you in a position to strike quick, put you in big leads, and dig you out of holes if necessary. I like Miami a lot more than a lot of people do, and I feel like they're definitely going to be a playoff team. And do I think they're going to be – do I think they're going to be on par with Buffalo? No, but I s- still think that this is a potential 10-win team in Miami. Now, top 10. I'm going to be a little quick about this. Number 10, the Baltimore Ravens. You're going to probably feel the best defense in all of football. Losing Hollywood Brown stinks, but you have a two-headed monster now in tight, tight end combination of Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. I think Isaiah Likely is going to break out this year. I know he's a rookie, and but still, the talent in terms of what I saw from Coastal Carolina, that is something that you're definitely going to be seeing. And who knows? Maybe Rashard Bateman might might show out and may show the reason why he was a first-round pick in, out of Minnesota uh, a year ago. I have confidence in Lamar Jackson. I do. J.K. Dobbs is hurt. This is a Baltimore. To me, Baltimore could have been a playoff team last year if they were fully healthy. They're healthy-ish this year, and we saw the master class they did in the NFL draft. Every single draft pick they hit will have priority this year. So I think this is a team that, as long as they stay healthy, this is going to be a team that's going to be in the postseason. Also, pay Lamar Jackson, please. Number nine, Dallas Cowboys. They lost Amari Cooper, which stinks, but you still got Michael Gallup coming back. You still got CeeDee Lamb. Dallas still has one of the most talented rosters in all of football. Uh, Dak Prescott is still, regardless of how you feel, he's still a top 10 quarterback. If you don't think so, he's 11 at worst. <laughs> but I like Dak Pres- uh, I like Dak Prescott. And more importantly, Zeke has slimmed down. And I feel like if Dallas goes back to a run-first team um, using the best out of Zeke and Tony Pollard, this is going to be a team that's going to be hard to stop. Um, also, don't sleep on Dalton Schultz this year. I feel like he's going to be a fantasy sleeper. Number eight, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. I know this is super homer, but and I saw the comments uh, Howie made earlier about him making the mistake in terms of, okay, and more importantly, you got to give Howie credit in regards to understanding why 
um, understanding the thought process. Instead of just going, he says, I, I went for what we needed rather than going for best player available. And, hey, it happens. Some people learn at different paces. But the difference is, is that it's better to own up to your mistakes and learn from it because what we saw throughout the last two drafts, he's taking the best player available and he's prioritizing what he knows. So, hey, listen, we could be mad until we're blue in the face about Justin Jefferson, but the reality is that Justin Jefferson is not coming here. We have A.J. Brown. We have Devontae Adams. We have Quez Watkins in the slot. We have Dallas Goddard. This Eagles offense is going to be great. Defensively, they fill up all the holes, and they're going to win the NFCs. And now we have our 7 o'clock caller with Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's going on? Hey, Chris, what's happening, guys? Oh, nothing, man. It's just, uh, just me today doing my old Colin Collar bit. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, man. So, uh, I was just recently just going on my count, uh, just that countdown before uh, you came on. So, uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I w- was watching there on the old Facebook page. Everybody go check out Chris's fine work there on the Facebook page. Um, I think I got you up through 25 there with the, uh, with the Giants. So, yeah. I'm sure my Jets were not too far after that, but that's fine. Yeah, they were 23. <laughs> hey, it's okay. We'll shock the world. I'm, I'm good with this, but... Man, it's just good to have football back. I am currently standing outside of a giant Texas stadium, uh, Texas high school football stadium, mm-hmm. about to watch the uh, the little one be, do his best, Jason Kelsey, on the field. So <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we can talk about the NFL as much as we want. Uh, but listen, listen, college football, like week two, yeah. like, it it is back. It's in full swing, and man, man, that that ending, that LSU game ending, was crazy and. Boy, you want to talk about getting a uh, wake-up call. You uh, lose your best player there down at LSU after uh, doing a, a uh, terrible uh, job in the offseason at, you know, trying to buy into that LSU thing. Man, that that thing doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> yeah, and friendly reminder, uh, <laughs> Tiger fans, you're paying $100 million to Brian Kelly, who, have, exactly. who has never like, won just anything. Keep in mind, you bought that fraud. Enjoy. And he's already made your best player basically uh, immediately enter the transfer portal. Ooh. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, it's good to see Florida State come back. That's always nice to see. It's nice to see them have a little bit of respectability. Uh, really like the uh, Richardson kid out of Florida, man. That kid oh, looks yeah, like I was actually going to ask him about that, yeah. You know. Man, you can talk about a guy that put himself on the map. I mean, you know. I think just based on one game, man, that looks nice. And, and like it was said, we'll see how it, it plays out during the season and all that. We've, we've all been fueled, fooled before, but, man, uh, I like what I see so far. Yeah, I definitely do. But I feel like when it comes to, like, Anthony Richardson, like, I feel like all the measurements are there. Uh, good runner, good arm. Uh, but in, more importantly, like, he has a quality win as opposed to, like, a guy like last year, like Matt Corral. Like, he didn't have that quality win. Like we saw, like uh, what Richardson did with Utah this year. You know, and it's so funny too because, you know, the college game has gotten so very divorced from the NFL game. And case in point is Justin Fields, right? Yeah. I mean, Fields looked like phenomenal in college, and you were like, man, everybody was like, man, this guy's, you know, clear number, you know, number two right after Trevor and all this stuff. And the game just hasn't translated. Now maybe it will. Maybe he'll progress. But the problem is, is with. Some of these offenses now, especially what they run out of Ohio State, it's such a simplified – it's it's a single read, 
It's designed to get one person open, and you throw to that one person. There's not much nuance to it. Look, it's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. What Ryan Day is doing in Ohio State is fantastic. However, it does not bode well for translating to the next level. And, you know, it's one of the things you used to see when um, uh, when Mac Brown was down here in Texas. You know, look, they had a ton of talent, but none of that talent ever really translated. You know, it never really took that next step. You never saw many of those Texas guys really do well. And eventually that starts affecting your recruiting because eventually they start paying attention to that. And that's something I think you're going to see at the college level. You know, we'll see. If, if it's about winning, those systems work. But, man, if it's about developing players, and obviously with the, uh, uh, the, the NILs and all that stuff now, man, I think that's going to make a huge difference going down, uh, down the road. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, like, all it takes is one. Because, like, think about it. Alabama was never quarterback university until we saw what happened with Tua Tagovailoa. And so yep. all of it takes – it just takes one. So, like, even, like I said, like, everybody was kind of shocked in terms of why Arch Manning would pick Texas. I'm like, listen, all it takes is one. We're seeing Quinn Ewers now, and then you probably might see Arch Manning right after that. Next thing you know, like, they're back on the map as potentially quarterback university. And you're right. It does, it does just take that one, right? But it's got to it's gotta translate all the way through, right? Yeah, that's like it's it's got to come all the way through because, you know, you saw – I mean, we've, we've seen those, those schools – I mean – you know, you had Peyton Manning go through Tennessee, and then they had T. Martin, and I don't really know many Tennessee quarterbacks since then, right? Yeah. So it, it comes in waves. I think it's got to be sustainable, and you've got to be able to have that thing. But, you know, like, dude, look at Texas, where they are now. They're about to get sacrificed to the gods of Nick Saban. Uh, that <laughs> thing's going to be ugly in a couple, in next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, speaking, of, speaking of ugly um, – the college football for, uh, format is going to be changing. It's going to go from four teams now to 12. And to be honest, I always thought eight was the magical number when it came to, you know, picking playoff teams. But 12, I feel like, is a little, going to be a little bit overkill because if that Georgia-Oregon matchup that we saw is going to be indication on uh, what's going to be in the playoffs, then I'm not sure about this. <laughs> you know – we're coming to a point in college football where they've waited too long, you know, just like the NIL thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like they screwed around, they stomped their feet, they said, we're absolutely not going to these, pay these players, we're not going to treat them like it's a part-time job and pay them, and that way everybody gets paid equally. We're not going to do it, we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it, and then you get a court ruling that comes against you and now you're screwed, right? Yeah. And now it's just the Wild West. And now you have basically the SEC and everybody else, right? So, once again, you had the, they finally went to the playoff. You almost waited too long. You finally got it in. Then you stomped your feet. You stomped your feet. You said, we're going to stay at four. We're going to stay at four. And now you've jumped it to 12, and now it's too late, right? Because you're going to have a point where, hell, eight of the 12 are going to be SEC schools, it's so it seems. <laughs> like, we've, we've reached a point now where it's, it's gone too far. Yeah. And I think what's going to ultimately happen is I think you're going to see a break in college football, much like what happened, for those of you who are old enough to remember, back when there was Division One before there was 1A and Division One, Division Double, you know, 1AA, right? I think you're going to see that kind of break happen. I think you're going to see a break of, you know, Division One A+, right, or otherwise known as the SEC. 
and those will be the top 64 teams, and they'll all be in their little bracket, and they'll all have their little thing and whatever, and then everybody else will be in the other one. And, I mean, sure. Um, Sweet. March Madness in the college football, baby. Yeah, dude, it's it's just such a mess, and and you know it's and it's it's really hurt my. I mean, I you know love the game. Obviously, it's great back. All the pomp and circumstances, the fans going crazy. It's good to have all of that back. But in my mind, I still think like, oh man, this just sucks. Like it just sucks that you that you know Bijan Robinson's driving his Lamborghini to class. Like <laughs> we've gone back to the '80s again. It's it's just crazy. Yeah, but also, like, I'm not a fan of this call, but part of me kind of understands it. Because think about it, like, all – they're trying to do these super conferences. Because think about yep. Oklahoma and Texas, they're going to go to the SEC. You yep. got a bunch of Pac-12 powerhouses trying to go to the Big Ten. Uh, yep. Big 12 is pretty much done <laughs> at this rate. Well, I, I think you're going to see, and what the rumor is, especially in these parts, is the remnants of the Big 12 are going to join up with the remnants of the Pac-12. And, you know, they're going to add Colorado and Arizona and – and, you know, possibly Utah, because BYU's already coming, and there'll be kind of a Southwest weird division type thing. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, but, again, I don't know that you're power level at that point. Yeah. So. And then you look, you know, at the other end of that with the ACC, and unless they can manage the land Notre Dame, uh, you know, there's just not much there for them. I mean, you're just kind of an also-ran. And then, of course, what does Washington and Oregon do? Do they end up going somewhere at some point? Are they trying to hang on? Like, they're, uh, just, From what I've been hearing, they're trying to go into the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and I think they want them, and I think the Big Ten wants them. The problem is, is I think you're now starting to see some of those people in the Big Ten look at some of the also-rans, right? Mm-hmm. Look, look around and look at Rutgers and go, um, why are they still here? Right. Um, And you've got to think there's got to be schools like Nebraska that are saying, dude, get us the hell out of here. Like since we've been here, we've just gotten killed. You know, I joke with fans around here, especially uh, down here in Dallas. I say, you know, look, OU is going to be they're going to join the SEC and they're going to immediately turn into Auburn, which is they'll be good every (laughs) once in a while. and They'll pop up and do something and then they'll go back to being, you know, just kind of there. And, and Texas is on its way to be in Missouri, which is completely irrelevant. Maybe they get to 500 and catch a bowl game every once in a while. But otherwise, you don't really hear about them. Oh, they'll recruit great. Sure. Missouri puts tons of talent in the NFL. Hmm. And that's about it. And then you got Vanderbilt still being Vanderbilt. <laughs> well, you need that for the grades. It's like having a nerdy kid in your frat, you know? Got to have <laughs> the – brings up the whole GPA. <laughs> yeah. But regardless from Nebraska, I'm pretty sure they're doing a good job of killing themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, man. But, yeah, but NFL season is right around the corner. We got Rams. And Fired up. Rams and Bills starting, you know, starting to party off right. Then we got Sunday, then the Monday night football game. What's, oh, man. There's so many fascinating storylines to this season for me. Just, I'm just gonna run them down for you. Does Matthew, does does Matt Stafford's shoulder hold up, or elbow hold up for the whole season? Right? Yeah. You know, if the dude was a pitcher, he'd need Tommy John, but he's not. So let's see what happens. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so fascinated to see what happens with Stafford because if you can name the backup to the Rams quarterback right now, you you deserve something. So because if you know John Wolford from Wake Forest, 
good on you. Um, so <laughs> you've got obviously the Bills with the massive target on their back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody seems to be picking them almost un- unanimously in a very rugged AFC with all that's going out there in the West. You know, does the Russell Wilson experiment work? Is he a guy that can throw it 30 to 35 times a game and, and be a, on a winning team? Because he's never really done that before. I mean, Russ works best when Russ is off platform. He doesn't really run an offense. So if the offense runs through him, that's going to be weird. I'm fascinated to see how that works out in Denver. Can the Chargers actually live up to the, to the billing, mm-hmm. right? On paper, the Chargers are incredible. But if you guys go pick the Chargers to win that division, I got a bridge to sell you. Because, one, I don't know that I believe in Brandon Staley yet because that dude coached them down massively last year to the point where they missed the playoffs on a stupid game with the Raiders. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where, like, I think there's so many questions. I think there's so many surprise teams that are going to pop up this year. A couple teams I've got in that, in, that, in that category. I think the Vikings are going to be way better than people think. I think the thing that was holding that team back, I mean, besides Kirk Cousins, is, was a very generic run-based offense. I like what I'm seeing they're going to do with Justin Jefferson. I like that that defense is going to be more attacking now. I think the Vikings have a chance to do a little something-something in, in the NFC. I think the Panthers might be a surprise team. Granted, it's Baker. I get it. But nobody plays better with a chip on their shoulder than Baker Mayfield. And that dude's got the biggest chip in the world. And let's remember, the Panthers were 3-0 and last year before Christian McCaffrey went down. They came to Dallas, and it all fell apart for them because, you know, Sam Darnold. But – Dude, that team, that defense is pretty stacked all the way up and down. And if they can stay healthy, which of course never happens, but they can stay healthy, there's no reason they can't hang around in in an NFC South that you've got very old Tom Brady behind a very rickety offensive line. Mm -hmm. And the Saints, which I don't know what the Saints are going to be, they scare the hell out of me. You know, I mean, that's one of those teams that – Sure, all the pieces are there, but man, I just can't trust it. I'm not even and, sure the uh, pieces are all, are all there. Because remember, over the last two years, you lost Drew Brees, you lost Sean Payton, uh, you lost Teron Armstead, which is a lot of people yeah. really don't have not paid any mind. And then your replacement for him, Trevor Penny, he's on IR now, and yeah, your best and, and wide receiver, is, and your best wide receiver is still Michael Thomas, and he's can't stay healthy either. Right, and that's the thing is I think the Saints are going to massively disappoint. Uh, I think that's a team that could that could absolutely fall off the map. And, again, I think the Panthers might be there to pick up that slack. Hell, they might sneak their way in the playoffs because when you look at the NFC, one of these bad teams has got to make the playoffs, right? Because yeah. let's just assume we're going to say the Trey Lance thing in San Francisco works out at least decently. Mm-hmm. So San Francisco and the Rams get in. Cool. Tampa Bay gets in, kind of by default. The Packers and the Vikings get in, great. The Eagles win the East, going away, by the way, uh, assuming they remember to run the ball and not let Jalen Hurts throw it too much. And then now you're looking at who's left. I've got Dallas behind, again, a very rickety offensive line, and I know the Jason Peters signing is going to just destroy you. However, keep in mind, he's 40. He's not the same guy. You guys know that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just I'm just hurt that, that Jason Peters is gone. <laughs> I, I get it. It's like when Dion went to uh, Washington at the very end. It's just not right, but, hey, it happens. 
Um, but you know, I think, I think that's, I think that whole thing. I mean, you look at Dallas. That offense is so pencil thin. One injury, more than they've already had. I mean, and, uh, dude, C.D. Lamb goes down. Dude, who's their receiver? They have nobody. Yeah, at that point, they're getting a Michael Gallup coming off the injury and Jalen Tolbert as your top two wide receiver. Man, that is just – it's frightening how thin that team is, especially given – now, the defense might be good, but tell me when they've ever stopped the run and then look at every other team in the division. You know, I thought Washington would have had a chance to be at least decent until their running back got shot. You know, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but, again – so you've got Dallas, you've got Detroit, which personally I don't believe in. I think it'll be a fun story, but um, I watched them practice at the Senior Bowl. I'm not that impressed. And then you've got maybe Arizona. I mean, without I got Arizona as my last playoff team. A, a new Call of Duty coming out? Like, there's no way that's happening. I got Arizona as my last playoff team. Just... See, I think, I, I think Dallas is going to screw around and get in. But – I think they'll get dispatched in the first round. Now, that's assuming they don't fire, or maybe it is assuming they fire Mike McCarthy midway through the season because you look at that schedule for the Cowboys especially. You start off with the Bucks and the Bengals. That's 0-2. You come back at the Giants in Washington. Okay, you're 2-2. Things are back. Everybody in Dallas feels okay. Everything's fine. And then the next two games, Packers, Eagles. Cowboys are at 2-4, and four, about to play Detroit at home. If they lose that Detroit game and drop to two and five, it's going to be like January six around here. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I this isn't good. <laughs> so yeah, man, uh, that that team scares the hell out of me. And um, you know, but then like you said, AFC. I think the AFC looks fun. I think the Ravens look like they figured out some things last year, and we've talked about this before. When the Dolphins put that defense on them and just said we're going to blitz 10 people and dare you to throw a slant route and there wasn't a damn slant route in the entire offense well they fixed that this year they're actually going to throw over the middle where lamar jackson's more accurate which is fantastic however again injuries can that team stay healthy mm-hmm. they're already down to basically you know seeds and stems when it comes to pass uh, pass rushers so i mean i can't and, and running backs for that matter so yeah, because you know, yeah, J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. That That's it. Well, Dobbins is already hurt. Yeah. I mean, he's still got a limp. Seriously, I don't know that he plays in week one. Like, I'm not convinced he's playing week one. I think you don't go sign Kenyon Drake and have Mike Davis on the roster if you're not you're not 100%, you know, you're, you're sure that you got your guy. I, I'm not sure he plays week one. So, you know, and look, you know, Ronnie Stanley, he's, he's a, you know, a stiff breeze away from being injured again. Uh, you know, that, that whole thing worries me there. Although I think they will be as better than everybody else in that division. Um, I think the Bengals take a slight step back. I think Pittsburgh is going to be a train wreck until they switch to Kenny Pickett. And even then, um, you know, I think, I think they'll, you know, look, Steelers will do what they always do. They'll finish nine and eight. They'll be right there at the edge of the playoffs and then they'll miss. Right. Yeah. They don't have a losing record. It's just what they do. Yeah. And then the Browns, well, we won't talk about that. Um, again, the South is wide open. Um, it's Tennessee by the way, to lose. I mean, it's Colts, fine. But here's the thing about it. If I look at every other team, okay, the Titans 
are nothing but Derrick Henry, and eventually Derrick Henry's wheels are going to fall off, right? So that scares me, and I don't. I think they'll be okay, but I think they'll be, you know, a losing record, middle tier. I think Jacksonville, too many holes. I think they'll be interesting. I think they had a chance to be better than obviously last year, but you know that's another five, six, seven win team. But if I look at what Houston's doing, and I look at Davis Mills, and I look at uh, Damian Pierce, I don't hate it. I don't know that it's good, but I don't hate it. And if Houston finished second place, by the way, you can make some serious money if you bet on Houston finish second place in that division. Just saying. Okay. And then you got out west, and out west is just a total crapshoot for me. I think the Chiefs are still the best team. I think the Chargers scare the hell out of me because I think their coaching is the worst part of that team. It reminds me of old Cowboy teams when Jason Garrett was around. Really, really talented, but tell me who's in charge. And I think the Broncos, I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do with this thing. Now, if they, if they run the crap out of the ball and that defense plays well, I think they've got a chance. But I could also see that thing going real south real fast, and Broncos country, let's ride, uh, turns out to be pretty much a nightmare. And, look, I think the Raiders might hang around, except for not having an offensive line. Or defense. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a fun season. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, my Jets, if we can stop the run against the Ravens, which, you know, saying a lot, but if we can stop the run, I, I think there's every reason that the Jets can hang around, win six, seven, eight games, you know, be in the mix. It's fun. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of storylines. Like I feel like, pretty much what you see. Like I feel like a lot of teams that are predicted to be the class of the AFC is probably going to be the class of the AFC. I feel like the NFC, especially the bottom tier, like those last three playoff spots. Uh, I, I think they're definitely up for grabs because I feel like Tampa's going to win that division by default, even with Tom Brady having a rickety offensive line. There's just nobody in the South that I feel exactly like, agreed. Yeah. And the NFC West to me, it's gonna be either San Fran or the Rams, and I'm I'm being bold. Like I got I like San Fran to win that division because I know everybody has their you know doubts on Trey Lance, even though especially with them bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. But I feel like like where everybody's doubting them, I feel I just look at Trey Lance as probably pound for pound in terms of the talent aspect, in terms of what Trey Lance provides for your offense, probably the best yes. talented quarterback that Kyle Shanahan will coach since RG3 in his rookie year. And that's the thing I think about it is you're, you're absolutely right, is that is a, a guy who is going to be able to – they can kind of nurse along, feed along with a killer running game, mm-hmm. you know, and with a killer defense. You know, I, I think San Fran is easily the class that division. Hell, I think they might be the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking at that playoff picture, right, mm-hmm. and you say – Okay, here's the playoff quarterbacks that I think are going to make it. Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. okay. Tom Brady, awesome. Matt Stafford, cool. Three old men. And then <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, you know, we're talking maybe Kyler or Dak, like maybe Kirk Cousins. Like, dude, that next tier down is such a massive step down. It's going to be fascinating. Is this the year that the old man get put out the pasture? Is this really that changing of the guard? You know, do we see the Justin Herberts and Pat Mahomes and those guys all finally put Brady and Rodgers, you know, 
out to pasture. I, man, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch just how that all plays out as well. And, you know, I, I think, like I said, the, I think the Eagles' defense is going to be easily maybe one of the best defenses in the league, if not at the very top. Uh, I love the depth that they have. I love the players that they have. Obviously, you got to stay healthy. Yeah. But if they complement that by running the ball consistently, and again, why you guys haven't traded for Kareem Hunt yet, I don't understand. But, you know, that's the only thing that holds me back from the Eagles, saying the Eagles will make it to the Super Bowl, is because I don't know that I trust those running backs. I mean, and honestly, that's a good point. Like, in terms of three things that, in terms of, in my opinion, like, which holds this team back, Obviously, it's Jalen Hurts because it's always the quarterback position. I want to see him do a lot more throws in between the numbers as opposed to just outside the numbers this year. Number two, and number two for me is Miles Sanders. As yep, as good as Miles Sanders is, he's good when you give him fifteen touches. He's great. It's it's just those sixteen and seventeen touches where it's like, oh dang, he's out for three weeks. We got to call Jordan Howard again, <laughs> or now exactly, or now and that's next, what you can't do. Yeah, and number three. As much as I like the talented talent on this defense, Jonathan Gannon, I for some strange reason it still bo- it still bothers me. Like I don't know how people watched uh, Philadelphia football last year and think like, oh, Jonathan Gannon's going to be a good candidate for a head coaching job somewhere. I just don't see it. Granted, he didn't have a lot of talent to work with on the defensive side of the ball, but now you do. So, what are you going to do? Are you still going to run the same vanilla concepts? Are you going to do a lot more exotic packages? Um, See, so, and that's that's the thing I think you're going to really – that's going to really separate them, right, is are they going to just rush for and try to get there with that front four pressure and drop everybody into coverage, or are they actually going to dial – I mean, you've got the guys now. You've got Hassan Reddick. You've got guys that you could put out there as those designated pass rushers. You know, you could bring guys off the edge because you actually have cornerbacks that can cover now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things that they can do. It, you know, it's, it's like last year. You know, last year, going into the Cowboys game, that first Cowboys game, I was saying, look, if the Eagles will just run, you know, read option, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, they can beat the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. What they do, they went out there and throw it like the first like 10 or 11 plays. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And, of course, they got behind. They started to run the ball later and started to come back a little bit. But they never, they didn't learn that lesson until well after that Cowboys game, and that just sucks. Yeah. And so, you got to know what you are, right? Mm-hmm. You got to know where your strengths are. If you're the Eagles, you got to know. Look, we got dudes that can cover now. Let's send some blitz. Let's send some pressure. And if they do that and dial that up right, man, I think I think there's no reason that that team again can't be in the Super Bowl and of course sacrifice to whatever AFC team is going to come out of the <laughs> the, uh, the other side. Yeah. Not to mention you traded for Garner Johnson also, who's also great, also coming off those blitz edges as well. So, oh, dude, yeah, I think you I have think a that lot. Of, they have a lot of versatility now on defense. Yes, I love it. I love it. I mean, that again, that was just that last piece that you needed to add to that defense to say, okay, the back end is secure. We've got guys that we can bring pressure with. You've got a front that can stop. You actually have linebackers for the first time in, since I can remember. So, man, it's. There's no reason you guys can't. I mean, you'll easily win this crappy division. But, uh, like I said, there's no reason you can't make a run. Now, does that mean that Jalen Hurts is the man? Of course not. But it does mean that, you know, and, again, I don't know that it means you marry Jalen Hurts either. Yeah. But 
I think that it's something where you say, look, as we talked about last year, do you go get the quarterback or do you go build a team around a guy and figure that we can we got a guy that can at least win? And that's what you've done. Let's see how it works. Yeah. At, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because especially now with these quarterback contracts, these guys getting $40, $45 million, $45 million a year now, you got to be really, yeah. you got to be really, you know, cautious in terms of who yeah. you get that you, money. You gotta, you gotta really love somebody to marry him now. Like you look at the Cowboys and Dak making forty mil. Yeah, and they're like, oh no, he'll make the, he'll make those receivers work. Mm, will he though? <laughs> yeah, or just does he have, or just the fact that the Cowboys over the past several years have had talent to compensate for that. And now they finally let it all go. You know, they did a good thing. On the one hand, you got rid of knuckleheads. You got rid of guys that caused you problems. You got rid of guys that, you know, were problematic, whether it be on the field or off the field. Like, that's great. The problem is you didn't replace them. And now it's C.D. Lamb or bust, basically, and then hoping Gallup comes back. It's an offensive line that is one more injury away from being absolutely catastrophic, you know, and – you know, Dak's, Dak, Dak's ankle's got a tingle every time he drops back now, right? Mm-hmm. Just thinking, oh, crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've built a defense, but other than Demarcus Lawrence, nobody on that defense is getting paid right now. Mm-hmm. And eventually you've got to pay those guys, you, you know? you got to pay Marker, you got to pay some Diggs. You gotta... Yeah, Diggs has got to get paid. Parsons has got to get paid. And so that's going to start eating into that other side. So, you, I, mean, I mean, look, Jerry's not getting any younger. They they want to win now, yeah. but I wouldn't be shocked if Mike McCarthy does not finish the season as their coach. Mm. That Dan Quinn is their head coach by the end of the year wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, but it's just rare for me to think that because we've only really saw it one time that they've actually fired a coach midseason, and that was Wade Phillips, right? Yep. Yeah. So and again, it was a similar situation. Jerry said, "I'm not going to fire him. Not going to fire him. Not going to fire him." And then you start one and seven. And then you fire him, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is what I'm saying. If you start off this season and you're two and four going into a Lions game and you lose that game and now it's two and five and the fan, the sports radio around here is on fire, I think Jerry will hear the whispers and he knows he's got that Sean Payton card still sitting in his pocket. Now, not, I'm not saying for this season, but he fires McCarthy. He lets Dan Quinn coach the thing, figures out if Dan Quinn can do it. And if not, then. You go get Sean Payton. That's that's interesting because we talked about the Sean Payton thing back during the Senior Bowl. Do you think now that um, if the if the Mike McCarthy firing happens, do you think now he'll be able to li- he'll listen to that and you know take that take take Jerry up on that offer? I think he would after the season. Yeah, I don't think it would happen mid season, but I think after the season goes, I think that's something where. And at that point, I think also the Saints might be really struggling. So that might be a thing where they say, yeah, we'll take a lesser pick and you can have Peyton because he's still under contract. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think that'll be fascinating to see how that works out. But things in Dallas around here are, let's just say, everybody's a little nervous around here for Cowboys fans. Uh, just saying they don't they don't know what to expect. And I think that's that's what, you know, that's what the opening of the season is all about, man. Yeah. But I will say this though, I feel like the best incarnation of this of the Cowboys was probably 2016, where Zeke Elliott was the catalyst. And yep. now I feel like Zeke Elliott, like obviously, like you visibly see him losing a lot more pe- a lot more weight. He's slimmed down a lot. Still got Tony Pollard under a rookie deal. 
lean into those guys a little bit more because you know that your wide receiver room is paper thin right now, and I don't think yep. Dalton Schultz is going to make that Travis Kelsey, George Kittle-type jump. No, God, no. He's never been that guy. Yeah, so yeah, like, He's a nice check-down guy. Yeah, so just lean more towards your running game. Like, I and I think they will. I think that actually is kind of the plan. Unfortunately, I think Pollard's going to end up playing a lot of slot receiver for you too, which is good to get him on the field. Here's the problem, and this is the biggest issue with Dallas. Dallas last season was ready to let Kellen Moore walk. They thought he had the Jacksonville job. They thought he was leaving. They hired his replacement, Mm. and then he came back. So if you could tell me, like if I had an innovative mind, if I had somebody new in here that I knew could say, okay, we're going to do things differently. We're going to, we're going to, you know, bring Pollard in motion and do some jet sweeps. We're going to get Zeke, you know, running in different directions. We're going to do different stuff. Cool. But, man, I have never seen that in the history of Kellen Moore. Like, that dude is just plain vanilla. Doing the Tony Romo trick and calling plays in Dallas is not hard. And, man, that's the thing about it is I worry that they're not going to be creative enough. Yeah. They're not – and, and also, they don't execute well enough to do it. You know, if they do try to do things creative, then they get penalties. Yeah. So it's just it's just poor. Coaching matters. One of the tenets of the sports narrative show, coaching matters. And I think that's why, you know, that will be the downfall of this Cowboys team. Yeah. Kind of glad my coach was pretty creative. <laughs> your coach is very creative. I just hope your coach remembers what, like, the problem is that sometimes you can be a little too creative. Sometimes you just got to stick with the bread and butter. Yeah. And, so, and I right, think well, I got to get into this game, brother. All right, man. Jeff, I appreciate you. Tell the people where they can find you at real quick. Absolutely. Uh, find me on Twitter at Sports Narrative and uh, YouTube.com slash The Sports Narrative. We're going to have our NFL preview, I think, as we watch the uh, Rams and Bills kick off the season. Awesome, Jeff. Hey, have fun in the game. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. All right. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. And the NFL season just 48 hours away. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, just right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Parody galore is right around the corner. We have, we have teams like Buffalo. Who have been knocking on their doorstep for the last two seasons. Getting out of everybody, including myself. I'm picking the Bills to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Can they realize their dream? Uh, Chargers, great on paper. Amazing offseason. A lot of talent. Can Brandon Staley put it all together? 49ers. Obviously, bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. That means a lot of people mean that's an indictment to Lance. I don't think so at all. I feel like Trey Lance is not going to have a Patrick Mahomes-esque kind of season, but I really feel like you might see RG3 rookie year. And if you need to, and let me remind you, Washington fans know, and more importantly, Eagles fans know, how good RG3 was during his rookie year. And remember, during that playoff game before he got hurt, Washington was up 14-0 before he got hurt. But, man, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, man, like I said, uh, I got them as the eighth best team in the NFL, right, in, in the NFL this upcoming season. I love everything that they did. Uh, I love Howie, even though I wouldn't say that out in public in regards to Jalen Rager, I wish Jalen Rager all the best of luck in Minnesota. Change of scenery does 
wonders for, you know, struggling young players. But I will say this. I love the offseason that they've had. I wasn't a fan of the pick of Jordan Davis at the time. You can see me be visibly upset on draft night at the Lincoln Financial Far Lincoln Financial Field NFL draft party. You can see me be upset about that. Boo the pick because I went to Kyle Hamilton. I came around to it. But this defense has a lot of versatility. They have the ability to do a lot of things. They've upgraded their pass rush. And more importantly, man, give a shout-out to Howie Roseman, man. He deserves his flowers. Because in regards to being a general manager, I'm now at that point where I'm looking at Howie Roseman. I'm just like, I was on the firmly on the grounds of Howie Roseman, but now I'm on the grounds of, yeah, they're very – I'd rather – not have any other general manager than this guy. I've never seen a general manager learn from his mistakes over the past two years and rectify and has made accommodations and adjustments to learn from what he has, you know, kind of kind of flopped on in terms of missing out on missing out on players. You know? You, but as far as the JG, as the thing in terms of, oh, we still can adjust. Y'all Eagles fans, y'all gotta let it go. We have AJ Brown, we have Devontae Smith, we have Quez Watkins in the slot. Uh, uh, Zach Pascal is a really good potential wide receiver for. Uh, and more importantly, Dallas Goddard is possibly one of the best tight ends in all of football. If he got the same amount of volume in catches in targets. Like a George Kittle, like a Darren Waller, like a Travis Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, we you'd be talking Dallas Goddard like he's a top five tight end, and I feel like he is. So if I feel like with all those moves, they're going to be a little bit more pass happy in certain games depending on the matchups. But I love everything in regards to what they've done to improve this offense. You look at the offensive line and the depth that they've had, I feel like they're probably – from what I've read in terms of the roster report, in terms of final, they're going 10 deep. Our second unit offensive line is probably a lot better than a lot of people's first units, and that's a huge, um, and that's a huge, and that really says a lot in terms of what Jeff Stoutland is able to do in regards to being one of the best offensive line coaches in all of football. You look at the linebacker crews. You got Kazir White, T.J. Edwards, uh, Dakobe Dean. Um, I'm not sure about this is Damian Taylor's last opportunity because I feel like at this point, and another thing that Holly Roseman is definitely improved on is that he has no problem realizing, like, yeah, I made a mistake on this. I'm not going to hold on onto this pick just to, just to feed my ego to say that I'm right. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I just got to cut my losses and just move on. We've seen it with J.J. Vega-Whiteside. We've seen it with Jalen Rager. Who knows? Davion Taylor was a third-round pick. If at that point, like, if he turns it around, that's good. If not, then I could definitely see him, like, not be on the field unless it's through special teams. But the secondary is amazing. Darius, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox in the slot. You know, I'm for C.J. Gurney-Johnson. And they like Marcus Epps a lot. I like Marcus Epps a lot. I feel like. He's he's young, he's scrappy, he's gonna be. He has a nose for the football. Everything rem, everything about him reminds me of a young Kirk Coleman. 
when Kirk Coleman was he got to start here in Philadelphia. And to me, it just all depends on Jonathan Gannon, you know, because are you going to take more chances? Are you going to do a lot more blitzes now because you have the personnel now to do a little bit more, you know, you know, linebacker blitzes, cornerback blitzes, you know, with Avante, Asini, Jarner Johnson, or are you just going to run the same vanilla concept? So for me, like the top three is Jalen Hurts, obviously, because at this point, this is the year where you're going to decide, like, hey, either he makes that jump, he's a pro bowler, and some have him as that potential MVP candidate, and this is the guy you're going to invest 40 to $45 million a year for, or you have an out, um, you have two first-round picks, depending on if this, depending on how well the Saints, which I don't think the Saints are going to be any good this year. And then you could use that uh, draft capital to then find your potential replacement for him. But also, he's number one. Miles Sanders is number two. I don't think Miles Sanders is going to get another contract here. I love Miles, but like I said, he's good when you give him 15 carries. It's still 16, 17, and 18 those carries after the 15 that worry me about him. And number three is Jonathan Gannon. Are you going to take more chances? Are you going to do, are you, you going to run more exotic blitz packages? Are you going to disguise your looks? Or are you just going to be vanilla with the same person, which is better personnel? Because any other team, any other defensive coordinator worth their salt in the NFL would be licking their chops at the personnel that they have like Philadelphia has. So if there's a reason why people were looking at you for an NFL job, this is the time for you to prove it. Period, point blank. All right, so I got the Eagles at eight. Packers are number seven. You still have Aaron Rodgers. You still got a really good one-two punch in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. David Batsiari is about to, about to come back. His his injuries, his his ability to stay on the field concerns me. That being said, this has this Packers defense has the potential to be a top five defense in the league. They're going to win the NFC North by default. And who knows? I we talked about, you know, is Patrick Mahomes can Patrick Mahomes adjust life in life without Tariq Hill? Will Aaron Rodgers be able to adjust without Devontae Adams? You know, you got Romeo Dobbs, you got Amari Rodgers, you got Randall Cobb, you got Sammy Watkins. You have a plethora of solid, of okay wide receivers, nobody great. But I trust in the ability of Aaron Rodgers as a talent. I trust Matt LaFleur in order to, you know, get the job done. Uh, number six, I got Tampa. I love, listen, Top to bottom, I love Tampa's roster. The only thing I don't love is their offensive line. That's pretty much it. Tom Brady's. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. You got Leonard Fournette. Chris Godwin should be able to come back. You still got Mike Evans. Um, unfortunately, you don't have your security blanket in Rob Gronkowski anymore. But their defense is still stout with a lot of young talent. A menacing front seven, Antoine Winfield um, leading the secondary. But I still feel like this is probably still one of the more talented teams in the NFC, and you're still going to see it. 
Number five, I got the San Francisco 49ers. And I think their ceiling is increased now with now with Trey Lance at quarterback as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is what you see, what you get. You're not going to be any better. You're not going to be any worse with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. I feel like Trey Lance is definitely going to be that guy to get this team over the top in regards to a potential Super Bowl berth. 98.5 WJYM, running back sports. What's up, boy? Hey, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> it's going. How you feeling? Oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's almost game day. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how do you think our team stacks up against the uh, better teams in the conference? I think we stacked up pretty well. Just from a talent aspect-wise, um, we've improved on nearly every single front in which we lacked last year. Um, and we got to get Howie credit. He has he has weeded out um, all the distractions and all the mistakes that he's done over the past several years out of the locker room right now. From I think a white side to Jalen Rager. And when you look at this defense now and you look at the offense now, this is a team that has a legitimate shot at going after the Super Bowl. It just all depends if Jalen Hurts is able just to put it together and if Jonathan Gannon is able to run um, a lot more exotic loose packages and do do a little bit more on the defensive side now with better personnel. Yeah, well, I got to admit, you know, how it is impressed with all these moves. I'm going to say this. I thought it kind of funny that he traded Jalen Regular to Minnesota to play with <laughs> Justin Jefferson, who he should have drafted instead of Regular. And he draft, he traded J.J. Arcega on his side of Seattle to play with D.K. Metcalf, who he should have drafted instead of <laughs> Whiteside. You know, and uh, Whiteside got released, so yeah. Okay, so with our core receivers right now, I like, I like them. Only weakness I see is running back because they're trying to make Miles Sanders like, you know, the the, the, the lead back. But every time I turn around, he's getting hurt. Yes. So do you think they're going to add somebody else? Yeah, I, I like Miles Sanders, but it's like I said, I like Miles Sanders to have 15 touches. Is when you get him after the 15 touches is where you then realize, like, oh, this guy's now out for the next two to three weeks. Um, I feel like they should make a move. I, Kareem Hunt is right there. But I feel like if they wanted to make a move with Kareem Hunt, they would have. But I feel like they're confident in terms of the running backs that they have now. We've all seen Boston Scott take over games. Kenneth Gainwell, they drafted with a pretty good, uh, with a fifth round pick, and uh, they picked up that kid from uh, from from the Forty ers after he was released last year, Trey Sermon as well. So they have at least three good running backs. Not to mention Jalen Hurts is an extension of the running game as well. So. I feel like that's a team where it's like it will be nice to have them bring in another name, but I feel like they're confident in their personnel and in their offensive line to scheme guys to run the football. Well, me personally, I feel as though the Eagles will go as far as Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and uh, goes and Jonathan Gannon goes as far as defense goes because even though the personnel looks stacked, okay, if you play that same vanilla, you know, Bimba don't break defensively last year and everything, we're not going anywhere. And I got to ask, and on top of that, uh, what do you think about uh, Jason Peters stealing some more money from the Cowboys? Um, that just really just shows you that how how desperate Dallas is. And I'm like, listen, good for Jason Peters, 40 years old, 
you got you're still gainfully employed good for you i can do without the whole love at first sight when it comes to meeting jerry jones thing i'm sorry you don't play for philadelphia for as long as you did for over 10 years and you see a blasphemous comment like that sacrilegious uh, well, he got me with the whole. He he got me with the whole like you know, love at first sight you know. And uh, when they asked him to play the like go goes back to his old position there, he says like, "Well, I want more money." Okay, he only got that money because he's friends with Jeffrey Lurie, and this is a business. But you know what? I'm not mad at him for taking the money. If he can get more money out of the NFL at 40 years old and everything past his prime, he's washed. He's cooked. He's roasted. There's more power to him. You know, so he's made over a hundred million dollars. So more power to him. If he can suck at the Cowboys and think that he's going to be something, then uh, made a force with Dak. Because if he's if if Jason Peters is Dak Prescott starting left tackle, he's in for a world of hurt. Because he was a turnstile last year. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But hey, that that ain't our hey. What uh, <laughs> what's Dallas's problem in Philadelphia's game? And I, I think I asked you about this before. You don't. You're not too crazy about the sixth sign Montreal's Harold, right? Listen, how dare they do that to Paul Reed? How dare they? You just gave Glenn Rivers another out to play another veteran player, rather than just give a young player the opportunity to get those 10 to 15 minutes for him to develop. Everybody talks about, oh, Paul Reed has low basketball IQ, and he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Well, tell me. How is a young player supposed to improve uh, in terms of their faults and everything else if they don't get the opportunity to do that in game situations? Granted, Montrez Harold is a decent player. He is a former six man of the year. But I have seen also Montrez Harold get absolutely cooked. Cooked. C O O K. All, all caps in the playoffs as well. So, listen, I understand depth wise, if this is a move in terms of in showing that, okay, we're not going to play Joel Embiid that much of the regular season. We're just going to try to do as much as we can to preserve for the playoffs. But I don't have no problem doing that move because you can do a lot worse, and, and at that point, you can't do a lot better than what you got from Montrez Harrell. That being said, I just don't like the fact that we're sacrificing a guy who can contribute to a, a success, a, a winning team, just for another one of Doc's guys. Well, we'll see because I think it's a, it's a river of the swan song because if the Sixers don't make a deep run to the playoffs, talking about the Eastern Conference Finals at least, then this might be his last year in Philly. Yeah. So I think he's trying to go all in with veterans. Yeah. Yeah. With a tiny, with a tiny sprinkling of young, young players, i.e. Maxi, Thibault, and you know. D'Anthony Milton, he's not exactly like you know, a grizzled veteran or anything. He's still like a youthful veteran that can contribute. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. And I will give I will give Daryl Morley this. But well, not Daryl Morley. I'll give James Harden that. He was a man of his word. He said he'll do whatever it takes for the 76ers to max out their opportunity for a championship run. And everybody's keep worrying about, oh, what about the bench? What about the bench? They have the bench is much improved for than last year. But ultimately, here's the thing. James Harden is healthy. If James Harden is healthy and Joel Embiid is healthy, this is a team that could, all intents and purposes, make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because remember, when Joel Embiid came back, he had a torn ligament in the shooting thumb, and he was playing with a mask. They even up the series. And I, that, to me, tell me, if Harden was healthy and James 
if James and Joel were healthy, this is a team that Miami was able. This is a, Miami would have got beaten. So it doesn't matter to me all about the bench because you're going to consolidate and reduce your uh, bench rotations no matter what. But if Joel and James stay healthy, then that's all that matters in terms regards to the success for this team. Very true, very true. And speaking of playoff teams, um, <laughs> do you think the Phillies are going to be able to stay where they are as they get to the playoffs, or do you think they're going to take the usual September nosedive? Because that West Coast trip was brutal. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, everything about that West Coast trip told me uh, that first night against the Diamondbacks, they were up 7 nothing. I went to sleep. I'm like, ah, we got this in the back. I woke up. My phone said they lost 13-7. to I'm just like, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, they're playing the Marlins right now. They, As of right now, if the season were to end today, they would be playing the car. Uh, they'd be playing the Braves. Um. I, I still think they'll be able to hold on because uh, the NL is, is a little too top-heavy right now with the Dodgers and the Mets. And unless the Phillies just completely take a massive nosedive and the Brewers just catch fire, I don't see that happening. <laughs> we'll see because, I mean, it's bad enough getting <laughs> ate up by the Diamondbacks, okay, but to get swept by the Giants, by Gabe Kapler and the Giants. An under five hundred team? Are you kidding? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, unexcusable. Hey, before I leave you, uh, what do you think about Denver uh, giving up like was it two hundred forty-five million dollars to uh, Russell Westbrook? Uh, I'm sorry, Russell Wilson. <sighs> if smart move, you don't make you don't give up all that capital for Russell we- Russell Wilson. Oh, shit, I'm doing it now. For a Russell Wilson just to be a rental. And all I got to do is say this. All that does is it raises up the price for guys like Lamar Jackson. Uh, if Jalen Hurts does have a successful Pro Bowl caliber season, MVP caliber season, that raises up his price as well. And not to mention, you still got uh, you know potential deals on the table for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow also. So the quarterback market is going to keep increasing. So. You, and why is Baltimore taking so long with Lamar Jackson? I I don't I have no idea. I think also has a lot of it because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself. So I feel like if he gotten an agent, I feel like a deal would have been got done. But I feel like when you represent yourself and you matter to a team for as much as Lamar matters to Baltimore, emotions do come into the emotions do come in play in regards to how much you know your worth is. Because you're watching a guy like Deshaun Watson who has an all-guaranteed $230 million contract, you're kind of looking at yourself and just like, yeah, I have an MVP. I have a playoff win. Where's my money? Where's my all-guaranteed deal? Well, first off, you got you to gotta say, uh, the Cleveland Browns are idiots. Yeah. Okay, they're flat-out idiots. Guaranteeing that money to a guy who had legal problems. Yeah. Okay. And no offense to Jalen Hurts, but Lamar Jackson is a free agent at the end of the season or anything. I'm Jeffrey Lewis. I'm backing up, I'm backing up the brain truck and say, here you go. Yeah. But, Dad, yeah, remember what you told me uh, after the Sam Bradford trade? There's a sucker born every minute. And even though that Cleveland was idiots, a deal like that can tank the entire market. Because look what happened with the Rudy Gobert trade to Minnesota. That deal happened. That ruined Kevin Durant's trade trade stock to get um, 
to get traded out of Brooklyn. Well, nobody wanted Kevin Durant's like how do you cry baby's butt, but that's a different story. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, he's 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 a big he's a big of a marshmallow brain than a uh, Kyrie Irving. So that's old. Like, like I said, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, but look. All I got to say is go birds, go birds, go birds, go birds. Go birds. Y'all take it easy. Y'all take y'all stay safe out there. Yeah. Hey, can we get a okay. prediction? Hey, can we get a prediction? Uh, Eagles Lions week one. Get a prediction. I say thirty-three seventeen. All right. Good to hear. <laughs> okay, but they be, they better not at any circumstance underestimate the Lions because they cause they lose this game. Trust me. There's going to be a lot of flags, going to be a lot of heat. A lot of heat's going to be on Sirianni, trust me. Yeah. And Hurts. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure <laughs> it's nothing they're not used to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Take it easy. Stay safe. It's always a pleasure. Great job, boy. Thank you. Take it easy, Dad. Oh, man. Always, always, good to, always, good to talk to the, always good to talk to the family about sports. All right. Number five, 49ers. Believe in Trey Lance. Talent, talent wise, pound for pound wise, I feel like they're one of the more. I feel like they're probably the, have a case of being the most best team in the NFC. Uh, still only have a few minutes left. Number four, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have one superb, serious, glaring weakness: their offensive line. They rectified that. If they can find a way to, you know, make Jesse Bates happy, they'll be back in the Super Bowl again. Number three, Chargers. I'm sorry, I just can't ignore the talent that this Chargers team has. Like I said, Jeff's brought up a good point. Brandon Steele is probably the biggest weakness of this team, but in the end, talent beats out. Talent beats out, in my opinion. I feel like they'll win the AFC West. Uh, number two, the Rams. Got to get love to the Super Bowl champs. You still have the best, most dominant player on the planet, Aaron Donald, and the best shutdown corner in all the league, and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Cooper Cup is legit. Allen Robinson, I feel like, is going to be feasting, you know, this year. First time actually having a real quarterback. But if McVay said that arm, uh, Stafford's arm is ready to go, but that's something Rams fans should monitor uh, very closely because if that arm goes, that so does their season. And number one is obviously the Buffalo Bills. I've been singing their praises all summer long. I sung their praises last off season, thinking they'd be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But I feel like everything about them is all put together. Uh, offensive lines put together. They have enough running backs in order for them to have a stable running game. Wide receivers is there. In uh, my opinion, I feel like they have the MVP this year. And more importantly, I feel like the biggest hole that they had last year was a was they didn't have anybody to get after the quarterback. And to me, you probably have the best play playoff pass rusher now in Von Miller on your team. So, those are my one number 32. And once again, you've been listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. I am Chris Thomas. I want to give a shout-out to Nick Faber and, you know, Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative for calling in to join the discussion in regards to week one of the NFL season and college football as well. Until next time, we will see you next week. Take care. Be easy. Go Birds.